0: Previously on Snicktoons, I had my sister Ariana back on to help me break down X-Men the Animated Series Season 2 Episode 12 Reunion Part 1, and it was a lot of fun. I loved covering the first half of the Season 2 finale. There were some interesting characters, to say the least, Uh, some characters that are a little grating, uh, but we had a great time talking about that episode And of course, before we dove into our episode breakdown, we each compared a special top five of our favorite X-Men villains. And it's one of those where I was kind of shocked that over, what, 26, 27 episodes of uh, X-Men the Animated Series and, and having guests on and doing top fives, that one had never been done before. Uh, I had done one similar where I'd done the top five Wolverine villains, but never done the top five X-Men villains proper. So it was fun to do that. And uh, hearing some of the ones that my sister had on her list was uh, really cool because I didn't expect some of those characters to be on her list. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So again, go back and listen to that one if you have not. And of course, stay tuned for today's episode as myself and special guest hosts Breakdown X Men the Animated Series Season Two, Episode Thirteen, Reunion Part Two. X-Men! All right, Bub, as you heard at the top of the show, I am back for the first time ever with two special guest hosts. Now, Rob Luther, I had on for the two-part premiere of this season because, I mean, his story about how he was introduced to the X-Men was so great, and getting to hear that on that first part, I knew I had to bring him back for the second part of that premiere. And it's been in the back of my mind to bring him back on for the finale But since I'm such a big fan of his podcast, Turtles Forever, I have loved the last year or so where he has had a, well, a co-host of his own. He has brought on his good friend, Kirkland, and I am happy to introduce Rob Luther and Kirkland to Snicktoons. Welcome, guys.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, man. Thanks so much for having us. It is a dream come true to be back here and to have my buddy with me and to talk X-Men with you, dude. This is going to be a blast.
0: Yeah, well, I'm super glad to have you on, and I know that in a couple of the episodes that I've heard of your guys' podcast, Kirkland has mentioned that he is a big X-Men fan, or at least he was back in the 90s, so having him on, I would love to hear his story. Kirkland, how were you first introduced to the X-Men?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um Probably the animated series, um, but I remember when I was a kid, probably three to five, um, we went to a family friend's house and they had a son named Kevin and he was roundabout about in high school and he was really big into uh, that, that. was right at the time that the, the animated series had taken off and he was into that and the cards and some of the super Nintendo games and the NES games. And um, really I probably got into it because I wanted to be like that guy. And uh, <laughs> th- yeah. So, and, and then he starts showing me all these cards and like, you know, uh, I kind of, I kind of caught the bug. It was probably a season or two into it before I really, actually knew what was going on, though. Because like Batman and and uh, you know, um, well, Power Rangers came later, but but Batman was probably the thing I was most concerned with. But then I saw them and I was like, okay, you know, uh, I didn't I didn't know anything about DC or Marvel. I mean, it was like three or four or five. Yeah, I started watching the animated series on Fox Kids, and that that was probably – yeah, that, that was probably it. Later on, I started getting into some of the action figures. I had like a Wolverine that transformed into like a wolf or something.
0: Oh. It's, yeah, it was
1: pretty <laughs> cool. Um, I never was any good at the Super Nintendo games, um, but I do remember – um, I was really good at the Gambit level. I don't know which game it was, but I, I can about remember the music off the top of my head. You, you like, uh, fight your way out of a fortress and then go fight somebody on, like, this ship or something. But then I got to, I'd got get to, like, the Cyclops level, and I'd just die every time. So I didn't really like Cyclops <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, I really did like Gambit. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's kind of what got me started. Was the uh, was the animated series? I don't think. I mean, obviously, the movie didn't come along till later. And honestly, like the the first movie, I I, I didn't watch that until probably three years after it was out. Oh dang! Yeah. So I like I, the the gaps. when you're a kid, the, the gaps between like, and it was the same way for the Ninja Turtles and Batman. Uh, the the gaps between like the cartoons becoming popular and then. The movies coming out seemed like an eternity. It seemed like five to ten years, you know, like that seemed like a lifetime when, when you're a kid. So like I kind of lost whatever flame was there for, for Batman and, and Ninja Turtles and X-Men. Uh, by the time that, well, probably not the Batman movies, but by the time, you know, the X-Men movie came out, by the time, uh, Batman uh, begins comes out, you know, all that jazz, I'd kind of like, Fallen out of that, and it, it took me a little while to get back into it.
0: Oh wow, okay, yeah. I mean, even even I've gone through phases where I've just kind of fallen off and and not kept up with you know the comics or the shows or the movies, whatever it happened to be. Uh Especially in like the late '90s, man, when we had like uh the next mutation was the Ninja Turtle show and like <laughs> Batman and, and X Men were in their like, final seasons that <laughs> where the quality had gone uh you know very far downhill and just kind of got out of it i got like way big into magic the gathering and and was playing that all the time and then yeah just spending all the time on my n64 my playstation
1: (laughs) it's about the same for me yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah
0: yeah i think i know which x-men on the super nest you're talking about that would be mutant apocalypse where that's what i was
2: thinking of yeah
0: yeah, each, each character has like their own specific set of levels. And, and yes. yeah, the Gambit one, it's like you start in the warehouse and then, yeah, like you said, you're, you're kind of going through like a fortress and then on a ship. And yeah, the Gambit ones were I, like not easy, but it was just the way that they were laid out. It was, you had so much more room to move around. Like yeah, the Cyclops yeah. one, that's like where
1: good players go to die. Things flying around you on the screen and you have no time to react. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> right on.
0: Okay. So. If you really enjoyed the Gambit levels, did that carry over? And, and is Gambit your favorite x man or, or do you have a different one?
1: Is that a trick question? I
0: thought
1: everybody's <laughs> favorite was Rogue. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I loved Rogue in the cartoon. She is so good. Didn't every like kid, every little, didn't oh, every boy get into that x because oh. of Rogue? <laughs> I mean, Gene is that Rogue not the and truth?
2: April O'Neil? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Is that not the
1: truth, man? <laughs> no, uh, I, I did like Rogue, And it, it, honestly, though, my favorite, I mean, it's gotta be Wolverine. He's the only, he's the only character who can get his hind end handed to him four or five times every episode <laughs> and still, you know, be a bad dude. I mean, it, it, you watch every episode, every episode, he, he's about to do somebody in and then do like censorship or whatever. He can't, he, he's not allowed to kill a human. <laughs> So somebody comes along and just knocks him on the hide end and he says <laughs> something, you know, it's formulaic, but it's it's one of those things. that's like you love it. You know, um, Gambit was probably my out, out of the series. Gambit was when I was a kid. He was probably my second favorite. Now it's probably I mean, I, I appreciate the show for uh, and, and just the series and the comics as a whole for a lot of different characters. I mean, I used to not like Jubilee at all. And now I think that she's a pretty cool part of the animated series <laughs> and i kind of do this thing where i like to go back and say i've watched the x-men animated series twice and i've watched gosh I've, i mean i i have these anime i'm probably like i'm probably like honestly on the spectrum about some of these shows where i'll go through and i'll watch them four or five times and i'll focus on a different character each time and i've done it with like king of the hill i've done it i watched it that series at least four times. I've done it with regular show. I've done it with Adventure Time. I've done it with X-Men. I've done it with Spider-Man. Batman. And I'll go through and I'll focus on like a different villain or a different character each time. And really, it's like everything else kind of goes to the back burner. And I don't know if it's a study for character development or, or what, but like if you were to ask me a year, a year from now, it would it probably wouldn't be Wolverine. It'd probably be, I don't know, Magneto or something. <laughs>
0: All right. That, that's an interesting way to, to go through an entire show, especially one that you've already seen, where you kind of hyper-focus on a particular character arc and watch all the stuff that they go through. Yeah, I can see how watching X-Men, the animated series, it'd be easiest to focus on Wolverine, because I think he gets the most to do season by season. So, yeah, it would be really easy to key in on him. But, yeah, Magneto a, is a fantastic character as well, even in the series.
1: What,
2: yeah, one he's, last. He's got, oh, sorry, man. Go sorry, ahead. No,
0: you go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I was just going to say you all mentioned Magneto. He's got some interesting lines in uh, uh, today's episode. I'm excited to talk about <laughs> it. He may be the real savage in the Savage Lands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one last thing about the series is no matter who I'm focusing on, I, I don't like Cyclops. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. He just seems so abrasive. I, I, I just don't know why, but I just can't I can't find myself to stand him.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a bit of a wet blanket, you know, when it comes to like fun. But even in the battlefield, man, he's just he's so like matter of fact and giving orders and stuff. And yeah, especially I don't know how, how much you guys have watched lately, but like going back through episode by episode, I've kind of noticed every time Cyclops and Gambit have a scene together, Cyclops is just like tearing into Gambit for no reason other than apparently he just doesn't like the guy.
1: Well, it seems like everybody's kind of like that. You know, Wolverine's about the same way.
0: <laughs> all right. So so one of the things that I, I enjoy about the podcast that you guys do is is when you go through, like, all the various eras. And I know that you're kind of uh, starting to re-expand that uh, now that you've rebranded into Turtles Forever, which I love, by the way. Like, I saw that announcement last weekend. I was like, oh, that's perfect. And then you throw in, like, all the other episodes onto the same feed. Like, I, that was great. I love that. And then hearing the last episode with uh, with Rourke Steady, that was cool. Because I remember when you when you were on that one, Rob, with uh, two dudes in a nest, and then you were promising like, "Oh yeah, I recorded an episode with Josh, and we're going to drop that out as a companion." And then it never happened. Uh, so it was awesome <laughs> that we we fans of of Turtle Flakes finally got to hear that last one. Uh, but one of the things I like about the show that you guys do is is going through all these different eras. It always puts me. In like, it always hits me in the nostalgia feels no matter what. Even if you're on – with you guys focusing on, like, the 2003 series, even that one, like, hits me in the nostalgia. And so it kind of made me want to go back and, and, and get a hit of sweet X-Men nostalgia. But I'm already watching the cartoon. I always read the 90s comics, and I'm always reading through something. So that's where I got the idea of, like, what about going through some old ads, you know, commercials, print ads that you'd find on the backs of comics, whatever – and maybe just talking about some of the favorite ones that we come across.
2: I love that idea, man. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for the kind words about the show. And, uh, yeah, that was a complete mistake that I, I forgot to include the Turtles 3 episode with, uh, you know, the whole crew. So I was like, Oh, well, that's something I can put in there for a week that we can't record. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and then, uh, oh man, I, just going through today's list, uh, of the ads and everything, there were some things I discovered I never knew about. So uh, I know you and I just talked about one before we started recording. I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, this is a wonderful idea, man.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, so Rob, do you want to kick us off then and, and drop a drop an ad, talk about it? And then we'll sure, just sure. pass don't... it back and forth for a while.
2: Sounds good. I don't want to steal your thunder because you brought it up first, but, uh, oh, no, no, no. it's all good. <laughs> Well, okay, the the one that um, uh, immediately stood out to me because I missed this one was the 1993 X-Men Pizza Hut promotion uh, where you got a trading card, a mini comic, and a VHS tape. I would have been all over this. I was big into the Turtles uh, Book It program that they were doing back in the early 90s. But for whatever reason, I don't remember this at all. I don't even remember the commercials so, you know, I was looking through um doing the the list today and I found this commercial. It's a great nineties commercial. The kids have their nineties haircuts and everything. Uh they're they're sitting at a, a table of pizza hut fighting over the last slice of pizza and one's got the big glasses for Cyclops. Uh the other's um trying to steal the slice as Jean Gray with her um psychic powers and then Wolverine. I don't remember if he had a knife, that'd be a little terrifying. Uh <laughs> but um yeah, he's like trying to slice at the slice and the lady boxes up the last one. But anyways, yeah, you could buy, um, you could collect the, all four of the mini comics from Pizza Hut. And actually what's cool is on eBay right now, you can get like the whole set still sealed. I, I found a couple of VHS tapes with the mini comic attached to it. Um, for like 20 bucks, still pretty cheap, but yeah. oh man, I don't remember this at all. I wish I had seen these because I'd love to go to the Pizza Hut. I just missed it. <laughs>
0: See, I would have been all over those trading cards. And and this is something that I don't remember either from my childhood. Uh, There's a a different Pizza Hut promotion that I remember that they did uh, like a year or two later, like in 1994. And there was a commercial for that, uh, but it wasn't nearly as cool. It was like a a 50-year-old dude doing the voiceover, and he's just (laughs) kind of saying, like, X-Men is really cool. Kids like it, you know, like in that (laughs) adult voice where they don't really know what they're talking about. But it's uh, you get a, a personal pan pizza, a soft drink, and a full length one of four full length exclusive to Pizza Hut comics for two ninety
1: nine. Gosh, that's not bad.
0: <laughs> you can't I'm get like, the pizza oh for that more. No, get one pepperoni for two ninety nine. You know, and that's not <laughs> yeah. even not even the rest of the pizza. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I loved the – I actually, the, so I still have one of those comics too. And, and the cool thing about all of the the full-size comics is they all had like these gatefold covers. So if you flip the cover out and then open the book, you'd get the back cover, the front cover, and then the fold-out part. So it would be like almost three covers oh, wow. worth of, of artwork. And the one that I had was – it was like Wolverine versus Sauron and – they're like sitting on the blackbird, or they're they're on the wing of the blackbird. It was really cool. But yeah, the the, the commercial you're talking about with like the three friends, I, I love the Wolverine dudes. It's like pretty much just like Bender from uh, Breakfast <laughs> Club. Uh, he's got like the dark glasses and everything, and he he just looks totally nonplussed to be hanging out with his two best friends at Pizza Hut. But, <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> he's only there for the pizza. <laughs>
0: All right, so one of uh, one of my favorite commercials from around this time was for the original wave of action figures. So it was the Toy Biz X-Men figure wave, but it was from 1991. So it nice. was the, the action figure wave that came out that was based on the character designs for Pride of the X-Men, although they didn't have uh, – they swapped in Archangel for da- for a Dazzler figure because apparently – they figured little boys are only going to want to play with Storm. They're not going to want two different girl characters to play with. So they went with Storm, I guess, and they just completely left off Dazzler. That's, but that's, that's during the one this com-
1: Australian Wolverine, right? Yes.
0: Oh. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, uh, I love that, like, single episode. But they did, like, this whole toy line, and they came out with a commercial in 1991. And, of course, it's, like, the 90s where he yeah. had – it's, like – they're in like a room that's all black and stuff and all the lights are off except on the play area with the toys. And I don't know about you guys, but like watching those nineties commercials when I was a kid, I always wanted to be able to buy the, like the accessories, you know, like Mm -hmm. the, the building or the, like the oil drums or the trash cans. I always wanted to be able to buy that stuff, (laughs) but you know, it's just for the, for the commercials and all that. But it's like these little kids and they're playing and there's, uh, he's, I almost – I should have written it down, but the voiceover guy mentions that they all got their powers in a strange accident, and now yeah. they all take Magneto's orders. And in the commercial, they've got Magneto, like, ordering around Apocalypse and Juggernaut and stuff. <laughs> I just – I love that commercial, just how wrong it is.
2: Oh, yeah. And, uh, that's That was one of my picks too because uh, <laughs> of the, the dialogue with the kids. Uh, the kids are going, evil mutants, come on, bubs. And it is the old Wolverine. Uh that's what stood out to me because I, I remember this toy line and um I definitely wanted to kinda go back to it because I remember I was talking about it on one of the episodes. And I love the kids just going, Let's turn up the heat, and of course he's got Cyclops and uh it it was great. And those those toys, I was looking them up, boxed, they're going for about twenty five bucks. They they really haven't gone up or haven't skyrocketed as much as you would think for nineteen ninety one. So uh yeah, that was one
0: of mine too. <laughs> so nice went, what, what did you got kirkland uh
1: so, okay so i'm really probably too young to remember any well i remember some of the tv commercials but they were always ads for the four kids show and they'd be followed by like you know call scruff mcgruff chicago illinois six oh six five two. that's forever in my brain that commercial <laughs> will take a bite out of crime but um so i went and i looked at some like print ads and One thing I found that I didn't know anything about, and I would have never been able to play it, because, Rob, you've been in the county, like, you know how underdeveloped we are, and, I mean, in the 90s, it was just like, forget about it, long distance call, no way, but there was an X-Men phone (laughs) game that you would call in, and there was like four different characters, there was like, I know Wolverine and Banshee were two of the different characters, and I think maybe Gambit was on there, and I can't remember the other one, but. You would have to press a number at the right time it was like three to five seconds after the recording started you'd have to press a certain number and that would apparently like you know beat all the henchmen and then you'd go into face magneto and like this trivia game but there <laughs> there were prizes though and like if you got first tier you got like a coupon or something but second tier they were giving away these like limited edition comics and it was i mean I don't know how much those would be worth I'm mean, you know doesn't seem like 90s X-Men comics, you know, really went up in value. But, I mean, these seem to be pretty limited. So – and I don't know if it was like they just made a limited run of four of them or, you know, there was just like ten of them for a grand prize or whatever. But I probably would like to have a set of those, you know. Wow, I didn't know that existed. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, it was – Eric Larson, I believe, um, tweeted it. So – yeah, now, I'm not really familiar with Twitter, but like I you know, I googled some stuff and and it popped up and he had, he had tweeted that and somebody was like I remember playing this as a kid to my memory banshee was horrible or something like that. And then some guy was like you're so wrong. <laughs> thinking, there really really <laughs> the that
0: played this game. <laughs> Oh, if that's, so, that's not Twitter in a nutshell,
1: man, I don't know.
2: Yeah, no kidding. So it was a phone <laughs> game, like a landline phone game. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow.
1: Because I mean, this would have been right around, you know, this. I, I don't. Was was AOL even a thing? You know. Oh, I don't know. Like, by the time that the X Men animated series was over, and and I mean, obviously, cell phones weren't like. I mean, they were they were there, but like, yeah, it was it was a landline thing, yeah.
2: Wouldn't it be great if it was like a long-distance uh, charge where you could talk to Wolverine and he just kind of gave you some quotes from the show?
1: Well, it was <laughs> – Two dollars <seemed>, a minute. <laughs> that seemed to be the gist of it, you know, <laughs> except it was like oh, you're great. arguing with Magneto instead of talking to Wolverine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, I, I want to know how the trivia thing works. Like, is it multiple choice? Does he ask you questions and then you press like one, two, or three? Do you have to
1: press pound <laughs> afterwards? You know, it would be great if they actually hired a guy just to sit there and talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I'm sure it was probably like, yeah, press one for, I don't know, the nasty boys. Press two for whoever. (laughs) All right,
0: Rob, do you got another one for
1: us?
2: Oh, yes, sir. I've got the – the 1993 X-Men Tiger handheld game, the ads for that. Now, I was trying to find the one from 1994, which is the one I actually have, but I cannot find a commercial for it. But, uh, I do remember the 1993 one, the, uh, the first one they put out. Uh, it's, it's, the commercial sprinkled with some cartoon animations of Wolverine walking straight toward the camera. The narrator, he goes, ready for some Wolverine in your face action in your hands? It's the X-Men Tiger electronics handheld game. And then, of course, you got the kids, you know, they're acting out Cyclops, look out, apocalypse is above you. Uh, and it, it's just a great 90, 90s commercial. Um, and then, you know, at the very end, it just shows this kid trying to t- uh, tug the handheld from Wolverine, just see his like gloves and his claws, you know, pop out. So there was a battle for the death of that game. Um, but the one I had was the the black. I don't know if anyone had it, but it was a black handheld. Tiger Electronics game, but it had sound to it, and every time you would hit somebody as Wolverine, it and it would get. It was really cool for the first five minutes, and then it would get really annoying. But every time you hit somebody, Wolverine would say X marks the spot over and over again, <laughs> over and over. But buddy, I love that thing, and I, I lost it like a year later. I don't know what happened to it. If I loaned it to a friend, but there are no commercials for that one. But I, yeah, that was a talking X Men Tiger handheld.
0: <laughs> See, I just had the, the original one where you play as Cyclops and and you fight Juggernaut and then you fight Apocalypse and like every now and then you can summon Wolverine but I don't remember if there's any dialogue. I just remember <laughs> the like you hit jump and then it's you know eight seconds later and he'll actually jump uh and you'll hit <laughs> the button to blast and it's yeah, it's just mega delayed and man, those games, those were like the worst, because you take them in the car with you Mm-hmm. When you leave when the sun's out and it's fine, it works totally fine in the car. <laughs> but then you leave wherever it is that you were, and and now the sun's gone down and it's dark in the back seat, and and you can't play anymore because <laughs> you know nothing was backlit back then. That that technology was way too expensive or didn't exist yet in 1994.
2: Oh gosh, yeah, I remember when the uh, Game Gear came out. I was like, this is magic. <laughs> it, it's you know I don't even need a light. I don't even angle it towards the sunlight. <laughs>
0: All right. So so I found uh, came across a print ad for probably my favorite set of the X-Men cards. Now, I know that the original set with all the Jim Lee artwork, I mean, that is a, that is a fantastic set and there's no way around it. You can't argue with Jim Lee art. But the second set of cards, it just featured such a, a larger array of characters. I think it's like the same amount of cards. like it's both ninety nine cards in the base. But it just seemed that there were more characters in in the second wave. And I found a print ad for the X-Men Series 2 trading cards. And it's a picture of, like, a kid. He's got his black T-shirt just tucked into his jeans that are way too big. He's got, like, a, a jean, not a jean jacket, but just, like, a, a button-down jean shirt on, you know, that's, of course, it's not buttoned or, or tucked in or anything. He's got his collar popped. He's got dark <laughs> sunglasses on because he's, he's really cool. Uh, and it says, it's a good bet the kids' favorite mutants ain't turtles. And I just love that oh. ad because I feel like that was, like, when X-Men came out as a cartoon, like, that was, that triggered, like, I was no longer a kid. I was, like, I was a big kid, you know. So I wasn't a Ninja Turtles fan anymore. I liked the X-Men. So this this ad just resonates with me. Like, it resonates with me now as a 37-year-old man. I'm like, yeah, totally. This kid rocks. Uh, <laughs> even though I love I love both, you know, but. Yeah, this ad, and it's got the, the, it only has one of the cards on there, but it's a, uh, the front and back of Juggernaut. So that was pretty cool.
1: Oh, that sounds like some smart advertising. <laughs> I love the cards too. In fact, I have a really good buddy. Um, he left me a whole shoebox of them. <laughs> oh man. I'm forever grateful for those. I still got them. I mean, if he really wants them back, he can have them, but I, I don't plan <laughs> on All right. them All right. I saw an ad for – I don't – well, it was another ad for the card game – or the, the card game. The cards. Um, swap cards with everyone in the human race and some who aren't. Did you oh, Did you run nice. across that one?
0: <laughs> oh, that one sounds cool.
1: Yeah, it just shows people's hands. Um, <laughs> but they're just swapping <laughs> cards. But that was the last one I actually ran across, but um, – one of the cool ones that I saw, um, was, it was more like a, a cross-promotion, Chef Boy r d that had a mail-in promotion where you would get, like, Pog punch-outs. Oh, They'd come in these, like, ah. full-picture cards, but you would just punch out the Pog for, like, their head, and you would trade them. But I'm thinking, man, imagine if you still had one of those cards that weren't punched out, because they were, like, full scenes of, you know, ah, cool. like, full action scenes. And... And I, I know if I was a kid, I probably would have been the the same I, the same way. I wouldn't have wanted to punch him out, but I know that, like, one of my cousins or something would have been like, you idiot, you got to punch these out, and we would have gotten a fight over it. Yeah, how are you going to play if they're still
0: in the, yeah. the car <laughs> I actually have uh, part of my personal collection. I've got two of the uh, unpunched pog sets that have, like, the six pogs in them. Still wrapped in, in shrink wrap and everything.
2: Ah, oh, cool. I I was about to say, man, Pogs, man, right around that time, geez, 92, 93, 94, right around the time that X-Men came out, I remember that was for, at least in New Jersey it was this way, like the Pogs just went nuts during that time period. And I'm sure there's a bunch of X-Men Pogs out there, I've just, I never came across any, so. But gosh, that just Screams 90s, that's great. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh I do have one. It's the uh X-Men 1990s VHS set Polygram commercial. Oh. And I'm so glad that you brought uh brought this up a little earlier Ryan about, you know, you get the narrator that had you can tell that the way it's it's scripted they have no idea really what the show is about. They're trying to be as vague as possible. <laughs> so <laughs> I never saw this commercial before, but the the announcer for Polygram he's going you know I I wrote down the whole script I I won't bore you with all of it but it's just like I I'll just read a couple lines they do, uh now the most sex- successful comic series is now available on home video Marvel Comics X Men a heroic band of mutants they do what must be done and they do it with style it's just like it's like this most generic script of like this could have applied to any superhero that's
0: the way
1: you uh, like
2: it yeah just the way you like it your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but they, they finally get to the, the, um, they show the VHS covers and I forgot how awesome some of those VHS covers were and how colorful they were. And PolyGram, I didn't know, um, but they also did the Power Rangers VHS tapes and I wonder if they did some of the Turtles ones too, but they were just so vibrant and, you know, eye catching and they were totally, totally, um, I mean, they still, I would buy them right now and I don't even have a v, uh, VCR. You know, but they they just they looked so great, and I remember um seeing some of them uh the blockbuster near my dad's house in Gloucester City at the time. they would of course obviously rent movies, but they would sell movies too, you know, especially like cartoon series. you see some batman v h s tapes and um x men and some others and I remember seeing some of those polygram v h s tapes there uh but I'd never seen the commercial before, but it was great.
0: Yeah, the the box art for the VHS tapes was uh it was, it was pretty cool. Like it, it's almost worth collecting all of the like official VHS tapes and just displaying them yeah like side by side so you can see all that artwork cuz yeah, it was it was really good.
2: Oh yeah, real real colorful and eye popping into so it's it's uh it's something like I think I for the longest time I had kept The sinister one, the Till Death Do Us Part VHS tape, but I think it was like in our last move I had lost it or my parents had cleared out my old room or something, threw away a bunch of stuff. But I kept it just for the artwork for the longest time because I no longer had a uh, VCR.
1: So did like the cases of the, the VHS tapes, did when you like put them side by side, did they make like a picture or anything? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. Because I saw, like, an ad for that just going going through the Internet and, you know, polygram, and I was like, wow, is that, you know, it's like a big like, holographic picture or something, you know, the name kind of. But I, I didn't look into it because I figured for sure somebody would have one, – one of you two would have brought it up because it's just, you know, it seems really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was always my favorite thing about getting, like, all the Dragon Ball Z tapes when they were first yeah. coming out on VHS. I remember I got, like, the whole – Ginyu Saga and Frieza Saga when you put it together it was like 12 VHS tapes and, and when they were all side by side then it had like the picture of, of Goku when he finally went Super Saiyan for the first time how oh, cool yeah I'm, I'm not sure about the X-Men ones though
2: yeah that, that kind of reminds me um, I remember I was really gosh back back in the late 90s I was really into 80s metal I mean that was like the first type of music I got into and Iron Maiden still is one of my favorite bands ever and when the CDs came out, um, like, of course, you had your early CDs in the early 90s. But then they did like a reissue of some of the CDs. And I remember you could collect them. And I saved up my allowance. And I started out, started off with like Somewhere in Time, that album. And I worked my way through. And as you stacked your CD cases together, it would form one giant picture of Eddie. Except my neighbor had gotten me Seven Son of a Seven Son, I think. And that was like an early 90s CD that they put out. So it's like I had uh, almost this entire perfect picture of Eddie, and then I've got like this generic kind of yellow one right in the middle. <laughs> I was like, I just want to buy another one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the um, And I don't know anything about these guys, and ironically somehow um, they have been brought up every day of this week. And, and it's usually me bringing them up even though I don't know much about them, but the Insane Clown Posse uh, yesterday oh. – I was talking to my dad about AEW, and I was like, it's a bunch of juggalos running around, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, like, I remember in high school, this one kid, um, when I was a freshman, I didn't know who they were, and I still don't know who they are, but he was obsessed with them. And he had every album of theirs, and apparently, like, well, he, he was missing one, but he said, look, if you take this, and he took out all the covers, and he flipped them inside out, and he started making a picture. And he's like, this album's actually the same as this album, but it's a variant. And you know they'd have like variants uh, covers for the for the album, to where you would buy the same album two or three times, something like that. You know, and he you put it together and it made like this picture, and I'm just like, really? You know, it's like it's <laughs> just a picture. I was just like, okay. I mean, I guess that's cool. I usually buy a CD to listen to the stuff, but you know. <laughs> but but here, you know, here we are talking about like VHS tapes, making like, you know making a picture. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> there was uh, there was one more from, from 1995 that I wanted to bring in. It was uh, another one for the Toy Biz toys. And it starts off with, like, this kid just, like, chilling on his chair in his living room. And Wolverine pops up on his TV screen and, like, reaches out of the TV with his claws and stuff and... <laughs> you know, like grabs at the kid and it says like, Hey kid, you think you're an X-Man? And then it just goes through. It just like has, he's like in the background and he's looking down and in the foreground, it's like an action figure. And the action figure keeps changing into a different character. And the kid's just saying all the names of the characters over and over. And they go through (laughs) like Wolverine, Cyclops, Beast, Gambit, Apocalypse, Archangel, like literally every single character that was a toy. Uh, and like that, that's just the whole commercial. And at the very end, they're like, "Collect them all."
2: <laughs> See, they they get us. Got to get them
1: all. Well, that was what five years for Pokemon, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> they had yeah. it figured out. They did. Um, I think I, I think I saw that
2: commercial. I remember that. There was another one similar to that where he's like, "Hey kid, you got to, what it takes to be an." N-. He's like, "I think play sets.
0: Mm. Uh
2: I think it might be the. Um, oh shoot. Not Cerebro. It's one of them. But you know, yes. Wolverine and the guy
1: who does his voice is like,
2: oh, what are you going to do when Apocalypse shows up? And then the kid's like, I'm going to do this. It's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know what you're talking about. He. Uh, yeah. I, hey, kid, you think you got to do what it takes to be an X-Man? And then it, it shows it is. It's like a kid inside of Cerebro. Oh,
2: yeah. Okay. I don't remember what yeah. it's
1: for, um, but, you know, they got like the in my mind, they got like the fog machine, which they probably did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh yeah.
0: Uh,
1: uh, go ahead the, the uh, uh go ahead i'm sorry
2: no you go ahead kirk I'm sorry i
1: was just going to say the 90s wouldn't have been the 90s without fruit snack crossovers <laughs> and, and uh boxer brief crossovers so <laughs> that's so true That as well
2: Oh man, I love it. Well the the only other one I had was the Spider Man X-Men Arcades Revenge commercial. Now, this one this one hits me hard because well, okay. I won't get ahead of myself. So, anyways, the commercial I found, it was taken from speaking of polygram, one of the VHS tapes. I'd never saw this commercial before, and it's so quick. Uh, but it's from the VHS tape, The Unstoppable Juggernaut. And I wrote down some of the dialogue here. It's like tired of the same old fun and games? uh and then Wolverine he slices through each transition here so there's a lot of really cool animations here that look really good they look they look like something from the Batman animated series a little bit and some of the designs are slightly different than what you see in the X-Men cartoon which was out at the time um and anyways the narrator he goes uh, welcome Spider-Man and X-Men to the video game Ride of Your Lives uh you know we uh, we even see Carnage in the trailer and I don't remember him being in the game but I don't think I'd gotten very far because the game is, well, I'll get there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, we see very, very small glimpses of the game. You know, it's mainly cartoon animations and now I understand why. So they, uh, they go through the roll call with Gamut, Cyclops, and some of the others. And, um, yeah, and it says, are we having fun yet? And the commercial ends. And the reason I bring this game up is this game, this one hurt me because I remember. Um back in the day uh in New Jersey there was a Funko Land a couple miles from my home and back in those days the Funko Land they had these newspapers that was just a price guide of all the the video games that they had in their store so I would take that price guide and I would look through it and I remember just seeing the title Spider-Man and X-Men Arcades Revenge I'm like that sounds incredible I love Spider-Man I love X-Men this is this is a home run this is going to be amazing so, I had a chore system back then where I would do anything my stepdad asked me to do, and he'd give me a th- he'd throw me a couple bucks and so that was gonna be the game I saved up for so i I did that I bring it home, I put it in the super Nintendo, and buddy, the music I don't know if you guys have ever played it, but the intro music is incredible in that game, and I was so fired up I'm like, this is gonna be awesome and then I played it. And I was like, oh, this is really hard. I want to really like this, but I hate this. <laughs> uh, it was so dis- disappointing and frustratingly hard. And, uh, yeah, I still have that game, as a matter of fact, the same one I saved up for. But, yeah,
1: very, very rarely gets played. I remember renting this game. I don't remember playing it, um, but I do remember going to the, the – that's the thing about these games is the covers always got me. Always. Oh, yeah. But I disregarded <laughs> that rainbow in the bottom left corner <laughs> or, the, or the one on the right there. Um, and it, man, yeah, man. And the thing that always got me, that I was always obsessed with, and I'm kind of wondering if you guys were too, uh, that same company, um Long John New Rainbow, whatever. Um, <laughs> they, they would alternate between like, there was a Wolverine game and Wolverine had the black and orange costume. But in, and I'm not sure which costume he had on Arcade Revenge. I know in the Genesis game he had a okay. On Arcade Revenge he had the same red and it was red and yellow or orange and yellow, whatever you know. Um, uh, Arcades that, that's the one he had on Arcade Revenge. The Genesis game he had the yellow and blue, and I think the one that we had mentioned earlier, um, the Apocalypse game. I think I think that he had the yellow and blue. I was always obsessed and just like curious as to why, like what the difference was, and like my parents could never give me an explanation. They're just like, I oh, just felt like wearing it that day, you know? <laughs> and I was just wondering which one do you guys prefer? Ooh, ooh.
0: Rob, you you go ahead and go first since you're the one of the special guests. Ah uh,
2: man, I I like the. I uh, see. I knew the blue one first. The the, uh, the yellow and blue uh, costume, but I kind of like the one that's the yellow and brown, uh, kind of costume that that's personally my favorite just because I think you don't see it as much, or maybe I'm wrong on that, especially cause I was, I'm not a comic expert, but, uh, I kind of like the, the yellow and brown a little bit more, but that's just me.
0: <laughs> well, you got good taste. Yeah. I would go with that one as well. Uh I mean, yeah, my my first introduction to Wolverine was he has got his yellow and blue, you know, the the regular one that he has, the tiger stripe, you know, is how they put it in mm-hmm. the toy. Um so yeah, I think that was probably one of the main reasons because it seemed like, oh, this is cool, this is like a different costume that he wears only in the comics or you know, something like that, that whatever my seven year old mind told myself, and I was like, that's reasonable enough. Um but yeah, <laughs> going back through I just I love that that costume, the brown and yellow, brown and tan. Uh, he wears it in like all of his best storylines from like the early to mid 80s. Yeah. You know, that's the one that he's got in, in that first volume, uh, the, the four issue miniseries where he goes to Japan. That's the one that he's wearing. And in, in most of the Uncanny X-Men in the early 80s, that's what he's wearing. And I, I love that costume. I feel like it doesn't get enough love. Like, yeah, they, whenever they do toys, they always do, the blue and yellow and then they'll do you know the alternate with that costume and you can find it as like a funko pop and and all that different stuff but even in the comics it's like whenever they redesign his costume it always seems to be the blue and yellow that they start from and then they change it up from there yeah i just but i I love that that brown and yellow suit it's just something i don't know and, and i think the color scheme works better for a character called wolverine it, it, it looks a lot more <laughs> like the pelt of an actual wolverine mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, yeah. So there was one more commercial that I found, and unfortunately I forgot to bookmark it in YouTube, so I, I wasn't able to pull it up, but it's like there's these two kids, and they're playing in, like, the living room with their action figures, and their mom's, like, getting on them because it's almost dinner time, and they need to start <laughs> cleaning up and everything, and they're like, Mom, you don't know, you square, you know, and so <laughs> she, like, transforms into Mystique, And they like suddenly they think she's the coolest mom ever because because her their mom is Mystique from the X-Men. So that was cool. But, yeah, I don't remember. It was I forget with like ninety two, ninety three. One of the waves of action figures.
2: That's
1: awesome. I've never seen that one. Um, I hadn't either. Um, I I would probably be freaked out if my mom was Mystique. I mean, (laughs) I don't
2: know. Mom, your eyes are yellow. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, she doesn't blue. have uh she doesn't have the best track record as a as a loving mother, that's for sure. No, no. All right, gentlemen. Uh if, if neither of you have, have anything else, I think we can probably move on and uh jump into our episode breakdown. What do you say?
2: Sounds great. Awesome.
0: All right, bub, for today's episode, we are covering X-Men The Animated Series Season 2, Episode 13, Reunion Part 2. This is the second part of the Season 2 finale, and like I said, I had to get Rob back on, and I'm so glad that Kirkland is joining us to help us break down this episode. So uh, this episode first premiered February 19th, 1994, and it was written by Michael Eden's of course rob with you being the old hat and you kind of know how it goes how about you get us started with our episode breakdown
2: okay man sounds great yeah uh so previously on x-men um they recap with sinister holding charles and magneto captive in the savage land uh great line alert i wrote this down in the last episode too uh magneto man he's a savage he goes i've heard the name but frankly i'm not impressed (laughs) all right so magneto he's still cutting with the uh With the quips there. So uh, meanwhile, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Jean Grey, they show up, and they finally get the coordinates to uh, Charles' location. The X-Men are attacked by Sinister's goons while Jean Grey was kidnapped by Sinister, and Sauron has hypnotized Charles. So this one uh, begins with Sinister taking the captives, uh, Charles, Magneto, Morph, and Jean, to the leaky dungeon of the Citadel. Uh, Sinister says – your genetic material and theirs will live on in my army of super mutants after you're gone. Uh, so I like this, too, because for the longest time I couldn't figure out what Sinister's motive is. And we finally we finally get it in this episode. And I I kind of like it. I think it's really good. Uh, and then great line alert again. Magneto, once again, your plan is doomed, Sinister. You underestimate the power of the X-Men. So here he is taking up for the X-Men here, and it's it's always cool to see kind of a gray area villain like Magneto give props to, you know, some of the heroes, and um, and meanwhile, Charles, he's distraught because he realizes that he just summoned the X-Men into a trap thanks to, I think it was Vertigo, who had um, hypnotized him, and that, that transitions to the Blackbird landing, so I'll hand it over to whoever wants to go
0: next. Yeah, Kirkland, do you want to grab this scene and kind of walk us through?
1: Okay, so from what I can remember, I watched it earlier today, um, from what I can remember, they land, and they're kind of looking around, and long story short, they get attacked by the Nasty Boys, and they're fighting them off, and uh, you know, Wolverine gets somebody pinned, just like I mentioned earlier, and like he's got his claws <laughs> out, and you know, in proper show fashion, Vertigo comes over and gives him vertigo, and uh, sends him off a cliff into a waterfall, or off a waterfall – yeah, down into the water below, and around this time they figure out that they can't use their powers, if I'm not mistaken, because Rogue is trying to move
2: mm-hmm.
1: like a, a piece of wreckage. Gambit's like, get out of the way, I'll blow it up. <laughs> but he can't set his, he can't put the the energy into his card. I love the awkward silence there too. He's like, relax, Sheriff, just charge yeah, the card. Right. He
2: just looks at it.
1: <laughs> well, at first, see, I thought he's going to be like, hey, our powers don't work. <laughs> You know, but uh, no, he's just like, no, get out of the way. I'll blow it up. And I'm like, dude, missed your chance.
0: (laughs) He's got to look cool in front of the pretty lady, you know, like, oh, I got this. Oh, no, no, I He can't just
1: come out of the gate with, let's go behind that plane or something. (laughs) Got to be, I'll blow it up first. (laughs) He was probably intending to be like, "Uh, wait, my powers don't work anyway. Now it's, you know, because the (laughs) plane's blown up, there's nothing. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> There's nothing yeah. else to do with <laughs> Wolverine. That's time one. That, that's the first time of him getting, you know, bested in this episode. But he's still <laughs> like, I mean, in my opinion, this episode is his um, kind of like most of the episodes, just because like the li- the lines that he spouts out. Mm-hmm. He he really is like the best mouthpiece of the series, in my opinion. So. Uh, but yeah, he, he's he's over the waterfall. He's down in the water below. He 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 surfaces and he's like, man, I wish my healing factors would work. And I think even before that, he's like, uh, like they're all like, your powers don't work. And he's like, you weren't counting on these. And then he like unsheathes his claws. But I'm thinking, <laughs> if his healing factor's not there, that had to hurt <laughs> bad, you know.
2: <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs>
1: Yes, it was a good thing it was a kids'
0: cartoon because I think that would have been uh, that that scene would have played out a lot differently. <laughs> yeah, uh, if this was a, a cartoon for adults or something, it really would have been the Savage Land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that part. I was actually watching it with my kids uh, earlier this week, and my my kids were shocked because they're like, "I thought his claws were a mutant power," and it's like, "Well, yeah, but they didn't establish that, and, you know." And then you're you're walking your kid through. 1990s X-Men comic canon and they're looking at you like you got three heads because what you're saying doesn't make any sense. But it's like, yeah, it wasn't until after this happened in the cartoon that they established in the comics that his claws were, in fact, part of his mutant power. But yeah, you know, because this came out before that, they were still under the impression that the claws were, you know, this bionic implant and they're looking at me like, what do you, what? (laughs) Now, let me ask you guys a question because... All of the characters have their their mutant powers turned off. When Xavier had his mutant powers turned off, he was able to walk. In the Beast episode from earlier this season, Beauty and the Beast, there's like a a moment where he's kind of struggling with his, his mutant appearance. And he's going back through his photo albums of him growing up. And you can very obviously see that when he began to manifest his mutant abilities, he started growing the blue fur and he got, you know, real big and everything. but In the Savage Land, even though he doesn't have his mutant powers anymore, why does he keep his blue fur? (laughs) Like, why is he still the Beast Man? (laughs) That's a great point.
1: I'd like to think that, like, the fur was an adaptation, and it takes time to get that way, and it would take time to adapt back is is the way I like to think about it. But, like, you know, what do I know?
2: So it's not like an instantaneous thing like the Hulk necessarily –
1: Right. I mean, I mean, it's like it's like hair. You know, you don't just go bald overnight, you know, like like the the ability to heal yourself extremely fast. I mean, that's that's different than, you know, being a hairy dude. Like, I, <laughs> right. I honestly fair, think fair there's enough. there's there's a lot of things in this episode that I was watching and I'm like, at first glance, I'm like, man, that's so lame. But but then I get thinking about it, I'm like. There's a lot of that's really the smart move in my opinion, and, I, and I'll, I'll mention it later. It's not necessarily the beast thing, but there there's something that happens later in the episode, and I'm thinking, man, I hate that because I didn't want that to happen. But at the same time, it's probably it, it's very it's what makes this series so good because not everything is just power levels like in Dragon Ball. Uh, it, it's it's mm. almost more of like a rock paper scissors type of thing, and I, I'll I'll explain what I mean later, but like. There's a lot of little things in this series that that happen like that, and this I think was probably the first cartoon that I saw that really did that, and that that's probably why I mean I liked it so much. Even though a lot of times like it just makes certain characters look like total sissies, I I, I don't care. Like it it really establishes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm rambling here. I'll, I'll explain. No, when no get, not at all. <laughs> yeah. You, you go ahead. I'll, I'll explain when we get there.
0: All right. No, I, I like your idea, though, that, yeah, your hair doesn't just fall out immediately. So if, if he's covered in fur and he suddenly loses mutant power, that it would it would fall out slowly or, or fall out in patches. So, yeah, okay, I can buy that. Like, logically, yes, that that's a reasonable explanation. But I was just sitting here thinking, like, oh, man, they could have gone, like, the handsome Shrek route, you know, where – In Shrek 2 or 3 or whatever, where Shrek gets turned into a human and he's he's all handsome and everything like it would have been funny to to see Beast as like just this big, handsome guy. Uh, But then again, like he doesn't really wear a costume other than like a a pair of underpants. So, yeah, if suddenly he would have lost all of his hair, then parents would have been explaining to their kids why there is a big naked guy. Running around, so that, that's probably, that's like behind the scenes, I was probably like, well, we can't have him mutantize or whatever, you know, the retro mutagen ray can't work on him that way,
1: so. <laughs> See, honey, he escaped the Savage Land and he went to jail directly after he got home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so yes, yeah, so Wolverine falls off the, the cliff thing down into the waterfall, which I love because if they're at the area where Xavier's ship landed, then that's probably, like, the same river-slash-waterfall thing that uh Magneto and Xavier fell into at the beginning because of the avalanche thing that caught them when they first started, like, battling each other. Uh So it was kind of cool to see that, you know, now it's happening to Wolverine. He's falling off. Anyway, he finds himself in the jungle. After he falls off, Vertigo kind of takes control of the mutates and the nasty boys, and she's like... We got to get the rest of the X Men to the master, but like we got to track that guy down too. So she dispatches a couple of the Savage Land mutates. They're riding around on their pterodactyl things, like hunting for Wolverine. Uh, at one point, he encounters like a velociraptor and has to run away. He wrestles it a little bit first, you know, to just prove to all of us how manly he is. <laughs> and then he runs away, and uh, eventually, like a T Rex comes in, and it's like, man, this is the best dinosaur stuff since the end of jurassic park uh which like obviously they're cashing in on here february of of 94 and, and jurassic park was like the number one movie of 93 so like i'm not gonna hold that against them you know you gotta cash in on those dinosaurs right uh, right it even had like the t-rex sound to it too i noticed <laughs> yeah he comes out and he roars and he and he bites them and everything like just like the end of uh of jurassic park but whatever you know it it works in the context as well for this, for this particular episode, but he, he runs further into the jungle and eventually he comes face to face with Kazar and Zabu. I think it's like Zabu kind of, the, the saber toothed tiger like knocks him down first and then Kazar comes in. And at first Kazar's like, you're one of them, you know, you're one of these filthy mutant guys that's tr- taking over the savage land and all this. And Kazar doesn't have a very good track record of meeting strangers, but I mean, I'm not going to hold it against him. <laughs> Uh, And eventually the two decide, like, they're going to team up.
1: (laughs) This part of the episode is my favorite part um, for two reasons. One, as Wolverine's going away from the dinosaur, this is why I love the character, because he's running through the forest, and he's just cutting down random trees. They're not even really in his way. He's just cutting (laughs) crap down. (laughs) He's running through swinging. And sometimes it looks like he's not even swinging at anything, and then, like, he just, like, reaches out and cuts a tree and just keeps going. It's like it wasn't even in your way. But when K Star gets in a fight with him, he's like, "Listen, Nature Boy," you know. He, he calls him Nature Boy, and I'm just like, oh "Nature my Boy, gosh. yeah, yeah."
2: And he backhands that. Zabu too. He's just like I yeah. swipe Zabu. I was like, "Whoa, man, Wolverine's
1: <laughs> strong." And and the whole time in my head, I'm like, "Dude, you know you're not going to do anything to him. The the, the parents aren't going to let that happen." Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no saber-toothed tigers were harmed in the making of this particular episode, luckily.
1: <laughs> Had luckily. it been a robotic saber-toothed tiger, that sucker <laughs> would have been gone. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so uh Kzar like, manages to take out the two guys that are riding on the pterodactyl, and so him and Wolverine, like, jump on one together and kind of head out, and he's just telling, <laughs> as they're flying away, like, he's telling his, his saber-toothed tiger – like, if we don't come back, make sure you avenge us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the tiger's just like, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, uh, they, yeah, I think, uh, from there, Rob, you can take over.
2: All right, man. Uh, there's some great Wolverine lines here, too, where he's like, attack is one of my favorite words, and the name's Wolverine. <laughs> and then right after that, the next line, he, he gets on the pterodactyl and he goes, Does this leather chicken have seatbelts? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Wolverine, only you can nail that line like that um so meanwhile in the citadel i really like now okay this is this is cool so finally i'm starting to understand why sinister wants them um he 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 explains his motivation here and at first he points to the captive charles xavier and he says you'd rather fought over humankind in hopes of a sibling coexistence and then he points over to magneto and he continues by saying, or fight amongst yourselves to prepare for a war that you cannot win unless you're willing to force your mutations to the next stage. And then Cyclops, he he interviews, he goes, what, as your slaves? And Sinister's like, no, as it's my creations, my gift to the world, the mutant powers of all combined in each as my children, which I thought was pretty cool. I was like, that's that's interesting. Each one of them having a combination of all the powers. So. He decides he's gonna start um with this extracting process um with Magneto's DNA. And once again, Magneto, he's strapped up to here and he, he has another line. He goes, Do it, Sinister. Just shut up and be quick about it. Dang, man. Magneto <laughs> he, he ain't scared. <laughs> so So Sinister, he zaps Magneto and Charles is begging him to stop, which which was cool. I like how loyal Charles is as a friend. And I think Sinister even says, like, hey, would would he tell me to stop if it were you instead of him, you know, which I thought was an interesting question, but Charles's character he's going to stand up for his friend, so uh, Magneto's mutant power is then being transformed or transferred to vertigo, and uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, Wolvie and uh, Kazar they're making their way into the citadel. Okay, I'll describe this last scene, and then I'll turn it back over to you, Kirkland. But the great scene with Gambit and Rogue here—you could definitely tell this is a season finale because it's the moment you've been waiting for, the romance you've been waiting for. Uh, Rogue says she's frightened, and Gambit tells her to be brave, which I like this part. Uh, He also admits that he loves her. You know, like I said, it definitely feels like a—we've been waiting for that. You know, Uh, even though we all knew it, but you know, there's just something romantic about telling someone you love them in third person. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, Gabba loves you. And <laughs> plants one on her. <laughs> so, uh, And with that, well I'll turn it back to you, Ben. I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> so what I remember around this time was the Goro dude goes and shuts the door. Or like he, he opens the gate. And as Wolverine and Kazar are like invading, it kind of gets blurry because a lot happens. But I remember there's a little short dude with a big head. And just the animation running over to shut the door, I'm like, yeah, man, that's, that's boss. But so one thing I want to bring up about this take it, Mr. Sinister thing, because he intrigued me as a kid. Um, and I don't think it's established in the comics, although uh, one of my other favorite characters in X-Men is Cable and uh I'm in the animated series. I don't think this this plot point was established in the animated series, but I know that Cable and Sinister they're like when the when the whole virus storyline comes around, um they're kind of like intertwined. But if I'm not mistaken, was there not a comic run where Sinister was trying to take Scott Summers and Jean Grey and they're like something that he does results in Cable being born in the future.
0: So in in the mainstream comics it was uh it was apocalypse who stole nathan as a baby right and he injects him with um the the techno organic virus which of which there's no cure in in the modern day mm-hmm. and so this woman named mother ascani like teleports in through time travel and tells cyclops like if you give him to me i'll take him to the year like 3500 where we have a cure and we'll cure him, but then, like, we're not going to be able to bring him back. But it's cool because, like, we'll raise him to be, like, this new mutant messiah who can stand up against Apocalypse, who's in control. Okay. Uh, but there is a storyline with Sinister in during the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, so the alternate reality where, you know, Xavier was killed before he ever founded the X-Men. And so Magneto kind of carried on Xavier's dream. And But because of that... Uh, Apocalypse was able to rise to power and like take control of the world. And his four horsemen, one of them is Mr. Sinister in this timeline.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, in, in this timeline, uh, Sinister has taken both Scott and Alex from, you know, their orphanage or whatever it was. And so he kind of raises them as his own children. Um, but one of the things that he does is he has all these, what he calls like breeding pens. And he just captures all these random mutants and just kind of holds them in there to use their genetic material. And eventually he gets his hands on Jean Grey of that timeline. And so he takes DNA from Cyclops. He takes DNA from Jean Grey and he's able to grow uh, someone who he names Nathan. And that is the the character that grows up to become x Man. So he's like
1: that universe's version of Cable. All right. And, See, I got into that in high school, but, like, when you're in high school, funds are kind of low. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't have – and the internet wasn't I mean, like, you know, you had wiki and stuff like that. But, like, finding information on this, like, I, I really wanted to know about it, but I just didn't have the means to do it. And I'm, I am just thought I ran across something where, um like, part of that was Sinister's plot to, to, like, get out from Apocalypse's – out from, like, out from under his thumb, so <laughs> to speak. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know. But like that's kind of it, it. It's kind of like it's just interesting how like these like sinister and Cyclops and Apocalypse. They 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 always seem to be like well, especially sinister and Apocalypse. But like Cyclops seems to be tied in there quite a bit as well. That theme throughout just any of the storylines seems like it's always there. And another thing, uh, well, I guess I should probably continue on with this episode. Um, so like Wolverine and Kazar break in, and something happens is it Morph runs over. He ends up breaking the machine that's like, uh, like, uh, inhibiting their powers or something like that. He hits it with a chair. Somebody does. And, um, so everybody kind of breaks free, and there's this big fight. And here's the thing that I initially hated. Like, everybody's cleaning house. Magneto comes out, and he's, he he is. He's, like, cleaning up. He's, like, he he, he just, like, throws vertigo. Like, he, he, he crushes her. He, like, encapsulates her in this metal and just slings her to the side. And I'm just, like, and I remember even the second time that I watched this, like, as an adult. I was on my way to the beach, and I was watching it with a, a mobile hotspot. And I'm just like, I, and I remember, like we were going down, it, it was in Georgia. And we were driving and we were watching it and I'm just like, oh yeah man, it, it, he's kicking high end now. And then right when, you know, things start to heat up, bam. He gets shot in the head by Sinister, one shot and he's down, he's down for the count. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Cause is it not in Age of Apocalypse that like he tears Apocalypse in half? Yes. Yeah. No.
0: You're okay. <laughs> you're absolutely
1: right. So, so right. <laughs> he he schools. He owns Sinister's boss, but Sinister can beat him in one shot. And initially, <laughs> I thought, how stupid. It was a sucker. But punch. then I got to, I got to thinking. Well, yeah, it is a sucker punch. But I got to thinking, <laughs> that's what makes this show great because it really is more like a rock paper scissors thing. One, he hit him in the head. Okay. But, so one, he hits him in the head. But two, it's like. Even though Magneto can be the apocalypse, he's more of an offensive type guy. Magneto didn't have like a, a barrier encasing him to block because you know he's not a he's not like Wolverine. His power isn't like healing. He he's like mm-hmm. a I don't get hit in the first place, and I control the things around me. type of you, and and the more I think about it, I thought that's pretty smart by this cartoon. And to even take it further, Cyclops is always the one that school sinister. And it's like you're telling me Cyclops can beat Magneto? Not, not in this cartoon, you know. <laughs> so it really is. It's like it's not like I'm more powerful than this guy, so I can auto automatically beat the guy that he's more powerful than. Like it's it really is like a like a, a styles matchup, you know.
2: That's a good point. And
1: I I, I, I really admire that about the show. But yeah, so he he gets blasted by Sinister and. Sinister's coming through and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of like regaining control of everything. But then, like I said, Cyclops gets a hold of him and he starts blasting him and Sinister keeps getting up and he starts to run his mouth and Cyclops just shoots him again. You know, (laughs) he's like, he's like getting up and he's like, all right, I deserve that. No, this isn't really what he says, but you know, all right, I deserve (laughs) that one. So, but now, and then kablam, he gets shot again. He gets, okay, I'm really going to try that kablam, you know, and he gets shot out the wall. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I guess that, like he hits something on his wrist to to turn on the mind control for Morph again, and Morph takes out this little gun, and, you know, and like they, they have like the whole, you know, the like the the energy blast matchup that you know Cyclops' optic rays and Sinister's little blast from his hands, and like they're they're doing the whole big trouble little China, you know, the Dragon Ball Z, you know, <laughs> battle who's got the more powerful energy, and like <laughs> Morph is supposed to go up behind Cyclops, you know, like you know shoot him in the back, but. I guess Xavier, you know, the uh, psychic abilities. Molf, you must control your mind and all that. And, and uh, <laughs> so good prevails. And uh, I probably went on a little too long there. So,
0: <laughs> No, I like your Liverpool Xavier. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Molf, you've got to use your mind. I only wear this wheelchair for looks anymore. <laughs> So, so going back to your point, Kirkland, uh, since you kind of helped me get over my beast thing, uh, we can look at Magneto, right? And and he, he hasn't had his mutant powers for all this time, for the whole season. He's an old man. He had a bunch of his power drained off by the the machine that Sinister used to like take his, some of his power, like siphon mm-hmm. some of it off, right, and, and put it into Vertigo. And so maybe he was weakened by that point. And so there, so there you go. Sure, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, yeah, I bought that, yeah. <laughs> but it's like the the whole thing where like Anakin can beat Count Dooku, you know, pretty easily, but Dooku beats Obi-Wan like really easily, but then Obi-Wan beats Anakin, you know, so it's like this whole triangle thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bought it.
0: So I like this whole battle part too, uh, th- there's one, the one line in particular that I really like from Gambit. So it's like right after they all get their powers back and Rogue picks up, uh, S- Sunder or Slab. I always get the two mixed up. I want to say Slab. Uh, so she picks them up and she like kind of tosses them and says something about like this is how you really treat a lady and, and she like throws them across the room. Into uh gorgeous George, the like the big goop guy, and then at that point Gambit runs up and he he finally gets the charges card, you know, and actually look cool in front of his lady, so he charges it up and he and he throws it into gorgeous George and it explodes, and you know goo goes flying everywhere, but as he's running up, he yells like The name's Gambit, remember it.' which is Cable's line. Like, that's what Cable says in, like, every one of his appearances so far. He always tells everybody that. So I just thought it was cool that, like, Gambit's using that line this time. Like, totally ripped that off from Cable, and the dude's not even here to be like, hey, that's my line.
1: (laughs) Kind of surprising that he wasn't like, Gambit's name is Gambit. (laughs) I really did like him though as a kid like i thought i I don't know why i mean like and i still do but like Mm -hmm. something about just throwing them playing cards the way he could just like throw them and not even that they exploded just that he could just throw them so straight it's like man i and that 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 one episode where he takes the cue ball or the pull ball and the billiards ball whatever and he puts the energy in it and throws it like that power just seems so cool Yeah,
0: I remember earlier in the season where, like, Morph tricks Gambit into laying one onto Rogue, and so Rogue absorbs his powers, (laughs) and she's, like, in the kitchen telling Storm, like, that, you know, swamp rat kissed me, and now look. And she, like, just picks up, like, a coffee mug, and that, you know, charges (laughs) and explodes and stuff. It's like, yeah, that would be a great power until you have to use the restroom or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on top of that, they give him a, they give him a staff. I mean, it's not like Donatello's both staff of doom, but, no, but like, it's-, it's like, I mean, does he really even need it? You know, like he can just blow stuff up, but it's like, now you're just completely overpowering him. You're giving him a weapon and explosives. And I don't know. I, I just thought that that ability, like as a kid was like the coolest. Cause you could just, you could make anything your weapon, you know? Mm-hmm. I never thought about having to drink coffee or use a urinal or anything like that. (laughs) Me blowing stuff up was that was it.
0: (laughs) Another another thing I liked about this episode is like after Kazar frees his wife Shanna and like all the rest of the Savage Land dwellers, they all come running in and Sinister's like close the door and they close the door. And, and that's it. Like And then they, these people factor right. into the story like never again. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, gosh, the, what a waste.
1: That is no, where the little dude thought, with yeah. the big head comes in and shuts the door. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah a little Brainiac, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, he just closes the door, and it's like, ah, all right, cool. Well, the door's closed. We don't have to write about those guys anymore. Let's just have our mutant battle royale.
2: <laughs> I know. I was like, what What a big – I was like, oh, here they come. Here they come because you know they're coming. Uh, and then it's like, shut the door. Brainiac shuts the door. Scene over.
1: The, the four kids, like or not four kids, but the Fox Kids, like the the ad for that week was like, "The humans rise up against sinister." You know what will happen? <laughs> that's the trailer for it. <laughs> got a door. That's what happens. I wish
0: it were that simple. Like you just get in a, a battle with someone and you're like, ah, it's fine. I'll just close the door real quick. It's over.
1: All <laughs> right, everybody, roll them up. Lock the doors. <laughs>
0: Yeah, all right. So, Rob, how about uh, how about you close us out for the episode, man?
2: Okay, all right. Sounds good. Uh so uh, yeah, I do like, you know, we get, we finally get a little bit of, um 'cause cause gosh, you, last time you and I talked, uh, Ryan was the first two episodes of the season, and, and now things are coming to a close here. And Morph plays a big part in this. Um, you know, when they're having their, their laser blasts and everything, uh, finally Charles Xavier, he says, great lines here. No matter what Sinister has done to you, you are still part of the family. You are and will always be one of the X-Men. And he, I think he had said that same line earlier in the season. And it's kinda of cool that they call back to it now. And I think it was another line in this episode that was a callback. Um so that finally snaps Morph out of it. Morph turns his gun to Sinister and uh and I think because Sinister's distracted, I think Cyclops Ray um kind of pierces his own and that's what blows up Sinister. <laughs> and Brainiac once again he's picking up the pieces like he's like, My master, no. <laughs> so he picks up all the pieces of uh Sinister. Um and then Jean Grey, I think she picks them up, and she just like i don't know she blows them up even in the in, the, in the more pieces and scares them all over the place and she goes that'll take them a while to regenerate so uh meanwhile Sauron he pulls a self destruct switch of the citadel uh magneto he he is able to protect them the x men so they can make their escape and I thought that was cool uh, a little bit later on the x men they help the natives restore their civilization in the savage land and um you know, Magneto, Charles invites Magneto to kind of join them because they've gotten to know each other pretty well in this whole survival, uh, this whole season. Uh, and Magneto goes, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, Charles. Uh, you know, only time will tell which of our methods is going to be the best in dealing with the human race. And, um, Sauron, he's tickled to death that all the out, outlanders are gone and Sinister pulls a T1000 and grins in the sand with all the scattered pieces. Uh, and I kinda liked it. I mean, it's cheesy, but I liked it, uh, that, that he's still alive and, and nothing keep good old Sinister down. And yeah, that's how this, this, uh, episode ends. I, I, I love this episode. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, no, it, uh, as far as like season finales go, this, this one is pretty good. And, and yeah, it was a two-parter. Uh, so they get, you know, 40 minutes of, of story time instead of, just 20. But even these last 20 minutes, this particular episode, it's just so good. You know, it, it brings all the storylines together. It, it calls back to that two part premiere. The, the one thing that, that caught my caught my eye when I was reading the book by Eric Leewald, the showrunner, uh, was that they were told by the studio to not do like an overarching storyline for season two. And yet they still like tricked us. They just, they <laughs> took the sinister storyline and bookended it, but we still had like at least one or two episodes where sinister showed up in between. Um, and then we had all the Savage Land stuff, you know, one minute of, of every episode seeing Xavier and Magneto and their journey from when they arrive in the Savage Land all the way until they get to the, the Citadel, you know, Magneto's former Citadel. But even like that storyline aside, They still gave us, like, the season-long storyline of the Friends of Humanity. So, like, they were told, don't do an overarching storyline that takes the whole season. And they were like, sure, we won't. And then they, like, shoehorned two different season-long storylines into season two. I just love that they did that. But, yeah, like, this was just such a great ending for all of the stuff that they had set up for this season.
1: Yeah, that... Rob, I've probably talked to you about this, I think, I don't know, um, but that, in my opinion, this show out of, like, all of the cartoons, the, the big three, Batman, this one, Spider-Man, this show did that better than anything, than, than any than any of the other three, because, like you said, it, it would just alternate storylines, and there was, it was like there was an allusion. I don't know if I'd say it was an illusion of over an overarching storyline because it actually is there, but you just don't realize it as you're going along. And it, it it keeps. And Rob, I know I've talked to you about this because when we were talking about the 03 Turtle series, mm-hmm. about how Socky's not in this episode, this is the show that did that to begin with. But it's like people keep coming back uh, co- constantly, you know, and it's like there'll be like a 13 episode gap where Apocalypse shows up and then 13. You think he's gone. But it's like no, I you know they never did me in. I would have said I'd be back, you know. <laughs> it come, this show, like I, I can't recall any any of the other animated series doing doing that. I mean, there there were like Spider Man would bring people back, but it wasn't like it, this show seemed like. I don't know how the production of it was, but it seemed like it had the guts to leave, like you know, um, you know, loose ends to mm-hmm. for them to come back to. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but like I, I think that that's one of the things that makes this show so great. I mean, there's there's a lot of things, the, the visuals and, and the voice acting and all that. But the, the storytelling, th- this is probably the best at long-term storytelling. In my opinion, this is probably the best animated series for that. Like from start to finish, if you just look at things as a whole, this one probably has the best uh, – method of storytelling i guess
2: yeah and one thing i really think that made um that was helped them to get away um excuse me i can't say it now help them to get away with uh having the overarching narrative is the previously on x-men parts at the very beginning i mean for for any kid who might have missed the last two or three episodes you just watch the first what Minute and a half, and it kept, it does get you caught up. I mean, it is just enough information to kind of, okay, I'm not lost now. Um, because I never felt, uh, lost jumping into a, a, one of the cartoon episodes, you know, maybe, maybe one or two of the dark phoenix ones, but, uh, overall, I mean, I think they do such a great job of telling a long-term story, which at the time, you know, with Ninja Turtles, especially the later seasons, um you it if it felt very much the mutant of the week, the monster of the week yeah and one of um nine, yeah, right, right, so this was such a nice contrast, and you know we were a little older too, and it could probably um i don't know art concentrate on a more long term uh story and it just it just hit i I remember vaguely understanding the stories back then uh and and i I remember being really into it um uh, so Yeah, I I think they were really cool. This is a really unique series for long-term story arcs.
1: Ryan, you probably know a lot more about this than I do, but like some of those – Me too. Those, uh, (laughs) Some of those uh, previously on X-Men, some of those little like segments, did they not show – like I'm I'm talking several episodes back, like eight, ten episodes back. Like they'd recap stuff that you thought was long gone yeah, just to catch you up to make sense of the whole story.
0: Oh, yeah. They they would, you know, whatever important stuff was going to be in that particular episode, they would highlight that. And and yes, uh, for example, the the previously on X-Men from the Repo Man episode, which was like season two, episode five. So a little bit earlier this season, that was the one where Wolverine like ends up fighting with Alpha Flight and they kind of kidnap him back to Canada and do all this stuff. But that was only the like second episode of the season that really focused on Wolverine. And a lot of the stuff that was like the previously on X-Men was stuff from season one, like his battle with Sabretooth and uh, his like friendship with Morph and and some of those some of those things. Like it it would go back all the way
1: to like a a previous season even. And that's the thing, man. It's like kudos to them for having the confidence in kids to be able to keep up with that. Yeah. You know, cause I think a lot of cartoons are like either oh, dumb kids, give them the one and done flavor of the week and show them a bunch of colors, make a bunch of noise. We'll sell some toys, get out of here, ride in the sunset. <laughs> but this cartoon, it's like, nah, you got to keep up with this, you know? And, and we believe you can. So that, it is cool The show. I mean, as a kid, it kind of makes you feel a little bit more intelligent, you know, a little bit more mature.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the thing that you guys are saying is is exactly right on. Uh, when I was a kid, I wasn't really a huge Batman fan. You know, I'd seen Batman and, and Batman Returns and random episodes of the 66 live action series. Uh, but I didn't collect DC Comics or cards or anything like that. And I knew that the Batman cartoon was out. But I think on Saturday mornings, at least where I was, it was on like much earlier than X-Men or it was on maybe even – a little later than X-Men, and so I I didn't watch it. Uh, I had only seen maybe a handful of episodes of that cartoon growing up as a kid. It wasn't until much later that I was, you know, became a huge Batman fan when I finally started getting into reading DC Comics, like not even until like the year 2000. So I was about 15 when I finally started to get into DC and really appreciate characters from that universe. And even then, you know, Batman kind of became my guy from from DC but it was still years later that I was finally able to go back and watch the animated series in its entirety I think like up right up before the release of The Dark Knight in 2008 uh Best Buy was doing like a deal where like each season was 15 bucks or something like that so I was I was finally able to pick up like the whole cause the whole series altogether is on like four seasons or or at least really four volumes or what four box sets you know so, I was able to pick it up and like go through and and this is two thousand and eight I was like twenty three years old by this point and and going through and watching Batman the animated series it, it it's a very intelligent very well written cartoon, and sometimes while you're watching those episodes, you forget that it's a cartoon because it's such intelligent writing and, and such great storytelling but mm-hmm. even as an adult, you kind of realize that they don't really tell these long form Stories, yeah. you know, the, the most you're gonna get is like a two episode arc and, and, and that's it. Going back through now and watching this X-Men cartoon like week to week, but through adult eyes, you really do see that the storytelling is, is structurally sound from the beginning to the end of every season. But not only that, like each season is built on the previous season and they're constantly calling back to, paradigm shifts that were from 8 9 you know 12 episodes past it, it's it's really impressive like i i watched the show as a kid i didn't see every episode i mostly recorded them off the tv i had a couple of the vhs's uh, you know the official ones and all that but like it it was one of those things where it was like i kind of had the same maybe 20 25 episodes that i would watch over and over and that was it uh, and then, of course, when they all dropped on DVD in, in 2009, I picked them all up and, like, binged it a couple of times. I've never really watched week to week or or one episode at a time in chronological order. And, like, going back through and doing this podcast, that's one thing I've noticed. And, like, both of you guys hit on it is the storytelling. Like, they don't dumb it down for a child audience. They just tell the yeah. stories and allow the stories to grow. It's so impressive.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You hit the nail on the head. Sorry, I was monologuing like Mr.
1: Sinister there. (laughs) (laughs) But it was beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that really does come down to the difference between, like, DC and Marvel. Like, really, like, Marvel is known for these big universes and this long, pretty solid storytelling, and DC is kind of, you know, it's, it's fragmented a little bit as far as, like... The it, it's better now. The animated universe is a lot better now. I mean, but I mean, yeah, Batman. It's you got two two episode arcs. Sometimes they have callbacks and things like that. But it, it really is like pieces of a mosaic kind of uh, being built up. Whereas as uh, th- this series uh, and and Spider Man as well. Um, although this series pacing is a lot better than Spider Man's. Um, they're more like looking at at something that's natural, like a like a tree, where it's one continuous growth. You know.
0: Yes. No. And and I think you got it right. Like it, that's DC's style, though, to kind of do it that way. I mean, just look at their comic book universe. You know, it's been around yeah. longer than than Marvel by a couple of years, so it's been around for a long, long time. But if you look at Marvel, like they've only had one major canon. Pretty much since 1961, you know, with the introduction of the Fantastic Four and the the beginning of the Silver Age for Marvel, uh, like all of the continuity of the main universe goes back to that moment. It's all still like one continuous story that just grows organically, whereas yeah. DC seems to reset its own internal canon like every 15, every 20 years. They seem to reinvent themselves and and start over and and it's not quite as organic and yes, sometimes it can, it can leave you out and, and you feel left out. Whereas with Marvel, like, yes, it's, it's really hard to jump into Marvel canon because it's so long and it's so established, but it does have that, that continuity. Like if you start reading comics now and you go back and read comics from twenty or thirty years ago, like those stories are still being referenced nowadays, and things that happened back then are still affecting the characters the way they are in the comic books now. And that's something that you don't quite get when you when you're reading a DC book.
1: See, that's what this episode's actually about. Like, th- this is all a metaphor for Marvel and DC comics because Sinister's <laughs> like DC comics. Yeah. And the X-Men are like Marvel. They're like, oh, we got Jim Lee come on board. You know, he's got this awesome new art style and we're getting our powers back here. And then the the DC fans are all the, all the people they're running up and they're like, ah, we don't like what you've done. And then Sinister's just like, close the door, send out another crisis (laughs) on however many Earths. And they're done with it.
0: Commentary. Oh man. (laughs) Another crisis. Oh, that, yeah, that sums it up right there. That's, that's D.C. Another crisis.
1: And yet I still keep (laughs) going back.
0: (laughs) All right, man. I I would love to keep going in this episode. Like we got three of us on here. We're only about an hour and a half, but you know, I, like, I think we've, I think we've done it. Like we've broke down this episode. We had a great discussion about nineties ads. Um, so un- unless you guys have anything else, I, I think we can call it.
2: I You know what? I just have to say I have loved this season. Um And, uh, yeah, I'm sad to see Sinister go. I- I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in Season 3 because I completely
0: forgot. You know what, man? You and me both. And, like, I don't know how many times I've seen these episodes, but I can't remember the next time we see Sinister, like, next time he comes back.
1: Isn't Season 3 where... And I could be wrong, but isn't don't they start introducing Apocalypse at that point and and Sinister's like working for him in like the lab underneath like Stonehenge or whatever?
0: So we had some Apocalypse in season one um, where we did have the Stonehenge stuff. We had Archangel oh. working for Apocalypse. Wow, yeah. that
1: was that early on.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. They bring him out real fast. Oh, you are like, wow. hey, you know that like the big giant guy? Let's bring him in for like Two episodes we'll kind of introduce him and then we'll just throw him away for however long um and then yeah he actually <laughs> came back into play in in this season um like in the future cables fighting him in the future and then he has to come back and stop some virus but then he's like fighting against bishop because they're uh yeah, their yeah, goals. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's
1: probably one of my that's one of my favorite uh yeah they had that big fight out in the street and bishop blows up like the car or, or no maybe it's cable <laughs> yeah I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I thought that was later on.
0: Yeah, they get to Apocalypse real quick.
1: <laughs> is season one, though, is the finale not where they fight the Sentinels? It is, yes. You're I'm absolutely right. Because, yeah. yeah, sorry, I thought that the first season was all about like developing that whole – but yeah. that, once again, the storytelling, so – Yep. Yeah, yeah they, uh,
0: they, they, they kind of do a detour there, and they're like, hey, you know what, let's let's get away from the Sentinels for a couple episodes, and uh, we'll fill it in with some Apocalypse stuff. So, uh, yeah, they get to him real fast, and then, uh, yeah, this season's been been really great with Sinister and, like, the Friends of Humanity stuff. We got all these really great character episodes. We got Repo Man for Wolverine. We got the Beauty and the Beast episode, Rogue's Tale. Uh, we had the the really great Storm episode, whatever it takes, so it's like... They really went out and they were like, all right, we are not gonna do these this overarching story. We'll kinda of bookend the whole season, uh, but we'll focus on like all of the characters. You know, we'll give every every X-Man who didn't really get a spotlight in season one, we'll give them an episode. But and it led for to, like for some cool appearances. We got Omega Red this season, we got the Shadow King, uh, we got Um Alpha Flight was pretty cool. Seeing Belladonna and the external, like that was unexpected. Um, and then of course the, the whole Miss Marvel cameo from the Rogue's Tale episode, which, which gave us, you know, the origin of Rogue's powers and everything. A lot of really great stuff in this season, Rob.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely reminds me of the 2003 Turtles cartoon because we're kind of noticing that already just in the first season, how, um, you know, we've already gotten a break from a Roku Saki. And now we're getting a little bit of Baxter stuff, but then he's gone away for a little while. Then we're getting more of our character driven stuff for a little bit. But you can sense that Saki's gonna be back. Baxter's gonna be back. You know. They are they're planting seats early on, but they're also making sure that they take breaks to really focus on the characters. And then it seems like, you know, by the end of the season we, we get back to um the the climax or the, the the main conflict here, but you're more attached to the characters now because you kind of got those episodes to make you care about them so it's the same thing that's going on here in x-men so i think that's a
1: really cool parallel that's about 10 years apart yeah they they, see that's what i'm like this series that's how it changed everything and i mean is it not crazy that like the x-men movie that was like really the first one to have like a big the big cast the way that it had and now Hmm. all superhero movies are made that way yeah, good point. I mean, it's it's like the, this franchise just it, it it's like the trendsetter, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, they're they're pioneers when it comes to like adapting the medium into a different medium, like so taking comics and putting them into cartoons. Like X Men is the archetype for that. This is how it's done, and then yeah, with the movies, like this is how you do an ensemble superhero story, base it off the X Men.
1: Even social commentary well, in comics, it's like. They're they're the first ones to like come out and like provide commentary on social issues. It seems like yeah, um, and I mean I won't get into any of those, but it's like they do they do something and, and then you it's like open the floodgates. Everybody everybody puts their opinion in, but it's like they make well, things guys, okay to talk about. You know,
2: absolutely. Well, I mean, guys, I mean, Polygram's commercials said it right at the outset. <laughs> the most successful comic book series is now available on home video. Wobble Comics, X-Men. <laughs> so there you go. It's right there. And they All do it with it now.
0: Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've talked about Turtles a little bit. I have to say, Matt, like I, I really love the 2003 series. I'm so glad that you guys are covering that like episode by episode on uh, the Turtle Visions portion because it's such an underrated and like overlooked series. Like – yeah, it doesn't have like the the fun humor and heart that the original cartoon did, and like it's not cool and modern anymore like the 2012 series was like when it first came out. Since it's more recent, but I I loved how they really went through, especially for season one. Maybe halfway through season two, they really went through and like they really tried to adapt as many stories from like volume one as they could and from tales. Like I just love, love that they they wanted to do that. Like they wanted to give authentic turtles and like give them a shot in cartoon form.
2: Oh yeah, man. I I'm I'm with you about that too. I, I do think it's kind of underrated and, and and kind of underappreciated because, um, just that whole era, uh, the yeah. volume four era of the comic books, and then Peter Laird came back, and, and not knocking the the first um volume of the comics, they were great, but I I feel like the real characterization and the real character development started to come into play in volume four, uh, with the comics. And then right around the the time the uh, volume four was going on the 2003, um, cartoon launches. And there were a lot of parallels between the current run at that time of the comics and the cartoon episodes. While, Like you said, them, um, you know, creating new stories and character development, um, kinds of episodes as well. Uh, it, it it was just it felt so cohesive um in the early 2000s with the cartoon and the current comics at the time and i don't know if we've got anything like that quite since um the 2012 series is wonderful and it's it's a great mixture of the uh cartoon 1990 movie uh, and and a lot of the comics from from the day and they even adapt some of the comics in the 2012 series but I think if you were a big fan of the comics, um, and you love character driven stories, I think the 03 series was probably the best, uh, series for that. Um, and, and it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's been 20 years now. It's, it's kind of overlooked.
0: Yeah, no, agreed. Um, but I mean, like they, they adapt what the return to New York story, they adapt City of yeah. War eventually. Mm-hmm. But not only that, like you're talking about the character-driven stories, and they adapted like each of the four micro series from Volume One. You know, the Raph and the Leo, the Mikey, yes. of course, of course, the Donatello one. That episode, like that, they did was it was so good. And they, they caught, they kind of just followed that blueprint all the way through, at least until mm-hmm. like the what is it, the fast forward seasons.
2: Yeah, and like you said too, even the Tales books, just some of the one-offs of the Tales books. Like I remember. Uh, I think it's in season two or season three. It's the first Tales issue, um, with cousin Sid, you know, just randomly. Yeah, they, they chose that book to, to talk about it and it's in there and it follows the comic really well, but they added their own things too. So it's, it's a really cool blend. And, I, and I'm sure X-Men's probably the, the same thing, the animated series for, for what the comics were doing at the time.
0: Yeah. They put a lot of nineties stuff in to x-men the animated series which is really cool you had bishop and and omega red making appearances and everything the whole storyline with gambit and uh the like the thieves uh, the thieves guild and everything that was all like contemporary comics for the time that this cartoon was coming out but they had the whole 16 or so odd years of claremont stuff and so they just Mm. went back to the well. Whenever they needed inspiration, or whenever they needed to to figure out how to develop a character in a certain way, they had that blueprint from from you know sixteen years of of the same guy writing those characters. Yeah,
2: yeah. Speaking of that, the Dark Phoenix saga is that in season three? Yes, it is. Ooh. Yeah. I, I remember that as a kid.
0: You get uh, you get Phoenix and Dark Phoenix in season three. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Like season three is like 20 something, 27 episodes long or something like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, alright, gentlemen. Well, uh, I think I've kept you guys long enough on a Friday night. I know it's uh, a lot later where you are uh, compared to where I am. So, uh, why don't before we jump out of here? Uh, why don't you guys kind of plug your stuff? Let my listeners know where they can find you and the various things that you guys have that you're working on.
2: Awesome! Well, thank you so much, Ryan, man. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh you can find us at uh, Turtles Forever. We it's it's kind of funny, you know. Just a few episodes ago, it was still Turtle Tales Radio. The last time I talked to you, but we have morphed into Turtles Forever. Uh, and you just, it's on pot, it's on, um, Potomatic. It's on iTunes. It's uh, Spotify. I just Google search turtles forever. And, uh, you know, when you don't see the, the actual made for TV movie, then (laughs) the podcast is us. Uh, and, um, yeah, we try to keep it at, um, a weekly to bi-weekly show. Uh, it's family friendly. And, uh, you know, it's about now, uh, thankfully just every era of the Teenage Mutant Turtles. We're still going to do the Tales of the Teen Mentee books, like, the original mission of Turtle Tales Radio. We're still doing commentary episodes, but we're also, um, you know, thanks to our interns, uh, stealing the, uh, Renee's uh, scepter, we're also going back in a time and, and, and checking out different eras of the, the beloved TMNT. So just, uh, search us up. We would love to have you guys, uh, hop along this, uh, this journey with us.
0: All right. And Kirkland, is there anything specific that, uh, you would like to plug in addition to Turtles Forever?
1: Um, I'm a co-host of Turtles Forever. <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. It's been fun.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to have both of you guys. Uh, been a big fan of both of yours, uh, Kirkland. When you came onto the show, I think that uh, you brought so much additional life and uh, an extra perspective and insight that uh, you know Rob was kind of lacking as a solo host. So
1: yeah. I, I appreciate it, but I it, no, he's he's ten times better than I am. He's, it's it's uh, he he would totally be able to. Do just as good a job if I were not there. I'm just lucky oh, to be part of, of the show, like I'm lucky to be part of this show, and uh, <laughs> I do appreciate it. And hopefully, we will cross paths later down the road. Absolutely, on our feed, that would be awesome. Hey, you know that's why that's part of the reason why we created Turtle Vision. It's an easy format for people to come on and uh, have some visions with us. <laughs> so the next time you guys
0: update your feed or whatever you'll have to call it like the next podtation or something
1: <laughs> i like it that's if the feed's not totally hacked and sabotaged <laughs> yeah no kidding
0: <laughs> all right guys well well thanks so much both of you for coming on i, I had a great time and i really appreciate it i appreciate hey, thank it. you ryan man it's yeah, blast as so always much. man So that will do it for today's episode, bub. I hope that you had as good a time as I did with my conversation with both Rob and Kirkland. I have been a huge fan of Rob's for a long time, as uh, those of you who have listened to this show will know uh, from having him on as my guest for episodes one and two of season two. And of course, uh, for the last year and uh, some change, Rob's co host on Turtles Forever will. Turtle Tales Radio and and Turtle Visions has been Kirkland and it it brought so much extra life to the show. At that point, Rob had been handling the solo hosting duties and he was doing a bang up job. Uh, But bringing on Kirkland brought some extra perspective and uh, I've always enjoyed Kirkland's enthusiasm for the Turtles and just his all around great demeanor. And so I was super happy to have the chance to talk to both of those guys for this episode. And of course it didn't disappoint. It was a lot of fun for me. I loved talking about those nineties ads, man. I spent like a whole day, day and a half, just watching different videos on YouTube and stuff. Uh, and it was cool to hear that both of those guys kind of came across some of the same ads and everything. Uh, but we all brought a couple extra ones to the table and it was just a lot of fun to just get that hit of nostalgia that, uh, you know, this show always kind of brings out. Um, and then of course doing the episode breakdown is a lot of fun. It's always interesting to hear what other people kind of key in on. Uh, and so having two additional voices to help me break that episode down was, was a lot of fun. So as for season three and how things are going to proceed, I am still obviously uh, going to be doing the host co-host format. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for me as a host Uh, getting to know new people and and having people come on and just share our mutual love of X-Men. And so that is the plan moving forward as well. Nothing should be changing with the format. Uh, I don't necessarily have all the guests lined up for season three. I have a lot of people that have expressed interest in coming on, but nothing ironed out yet. So look for maybe a one to two week break until we start releasing our episodes that are going to cover season three of X-Men, the animated series. Uh, hopefully I can get some people firmed up here in the next few days and, uh, you know, get things scheduled and moving forward because I'm anxious to jump into season three. Uh, one other note for season three. If you're watching these on Disney Plus or are on DVDs that you own or whatever, you will probably have noticed that some of the episode ordering doesn't quite make sense where episodes seem out of place. The episodes that happen much later on in the series, or at least aired much later on in the series, they actually were supposed to air earlier in season three. So I will be using the original planned release order for these episodes that you can find in Eric Leewald's book, previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series, he goes through and lists each episode in the correct order. And so that is the order that I will be following for seasons three and four. Also note that season three itself is like 19 episodes and season four is 24 episodes, something like that. So we've got a long ways to go and I might start looking at maybe saving some time and finding guests guest hosts that would be willing to come on and cover two episodes at a time for you know various two part storylines we've got quite a few multi part storylines coming up in seasons 3 and 4 so for a way to kind of get things sped up i might see if i can't find hosts that are willing to do like a two and a half or a three hour long episode uh, and cover two episodes of X-Men, the animated series at a time. So it's just something I'm mulling over. Uh, if you feel strongly about it one way or another, uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram at talk and snicked, or you can send an email to me, talk at gmail.com. And one other way to get in touch with me is following the link in the show notes to join the talk and snicked discord. Uh, there's about a handful of us over there now, just sharing you know, pictures, uh, Legos commenting on episodes and stuff like that, whether it's, uh, episodes of talking snicked or episodes of snick tunes, just having little convos here and there, nothing too major, nothing too, uh, absorbing or anything like that. So it definitely wouldn't really take up a whole lot of your time, uh, to jump onto that discord. Just say hello and share with us all of your X-Men fandom. So, bub, make sure you stay tuned to the very end of this episode. Check out the track, Back from the Dead. It was composed and performed by the very talented musician called Retcon X. He hasn't done stuff in a couple of years, but on his YouTube channel and on his Spotify playlist, you can listen to all of his original music that was created because it was inspired by the X-Men. So definitely, if you like the song at the end of the episode, then go check his stuff out. Until next time, bub.